This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee has defeated UConn 59-3. The 17th-ranked Vols take care of business on homecoming, uh, a game where most of the starters did not play much, if at all, in the second half in a lot of cases, uh, a game where the fourth quarter was played by third-team and fourth-team guys. Tennessee ends the game by uh, letting the clock run out inside the UConn five-yard line. So a 59-3 game that could have been significantly worse for the visiting Huskies as we sit here, uh, Ben and I do, in their visiting radio booth here at uh, Neyland Stadium. And Ben, what I think of with this game as much as anything, and you, we haven't talked about this at all, so you might have a totally different take, but the words I kept coming back to thinking about this game off the top of my head would be respect, maturity, uh, a game where th- this is a game where you're going to probably win the game. You're going – it's homecoming for a reason. You're a much better football team than UConn. However, UConn's not the worst team that's ever played the game. But you're probably going to win this game. But this is about your preparation coming into the game. This is about the seriousness with which you take the game. Uh, And if you do that, then you get, you know, a second half basically off if you're one of the starters and you let some of the young guys get reps and you help this program in so many ways moving forward – but all of that comes down to maturity and respect. And I think you could see that Heupel and his guys handled this week the right way by what we saw today. Absolutely. I, I think it's the, the mark of a good program, you know, good football teams, good football programs. They, they handle their business when they have games like this on the schedule. And uh, Tennessee treated UConn in football the way it should treat UConn in football. And I think that absolutely speaks to to the maturity of the program, the leadership. And, Wes, when, when you were speaking, uh, what came to my mind was just how this football team has developed into a good football team. Because we sat here up in this press box after Tennessee not struggled to beat Austin P, but didn't look good in the win over Austin P. And at that time, that was not a good football team. Tennessee was not a good football team at that moment in time in the month of September. But now, as Tennessee kicks off a very important month of November with Missouri and Georgia tied 10-10 at halftime, there's a lot to play for this month. And, and Tennessee has developed into a good football team. How good are they? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I, they, they could beat Missouri and Georgia. I would not be surprised. They could lose to Missouri and Georgia, and I would not be uh, very surprised. But they have developed into a good football team, and I thought today was was a sign of that just because they, they handled their business and, and beat UConn the way that they should. And uh, the, the environment was a good one for a UConn type of game. It definitely was. 11th straight sellout for Tennessee. Uh, it, it was it was loud, and the 
you know, it, it wasn't uh, playing on the road somewhere else where half the stadium is full. And, and th there was a part of it where you kind of did have to bring your own energy, but the fans were there as well. Uh, but to, to be able to, to be locked in mentally from the jump and, and carry that throughout the, the game, I, I think it just speaks volumes of how this football team has continued to grow and improve. Yeah, you think about, or at least the way I think about it anyways, is regardless of that result last week in Lexington, whether it went one way or the other, it was going to present a different kind of challenge for Tennessee this week. Because if you lose that game to Kentucky, then all of a sudden you start thinking, you know, not for the program, but for this particular team, is the bus starting to leave the station? Or, you know, will, will some of the veterans start checking out a little bit? You never know what's going to happen when a team that doesn't want to be something like 5-3 and three or something ends up 5-3, and three, and you look at the situation, and it's not a given that they're going to keep fighting, right? Um, but if you win the game at Kentucky, which they did, then all of a sudden this game becomes look at those past three games, look at the next two, and then this one's just kind of sitting here, and – you don't know if your guys are going to focus and practice. You don't know if they're going to come out dialed in, ready to play a game, a noon game, which maybe doesn't matter as much for Tennessee because Tennessee practices uh, up with the rooster every single morning. So that that's this is you know like regular kind of stuff for them, unlike it would be for other teams. Uh, so I, I think you still had to learn about what this team was about, and I don't know Ben that this is ever going to be a great football team. You just you think about what the standard is for a great football team. Well, you've already lost a couple games on the road. There's no 12-team playoff yet. Even, you know, you can do some big things, but maybe maybe the train left on this being a great team, but it still could be a really good football team. And it's a football team that has gotten better for the most part throughout the season. Like, you see guys doing things that they have not been doing before, right? You see a little bit more depth on the line of scrimmage showing up. You see Joe Milton leaving the pocket and making several big plays on the pocket in the pocket uh, and outside of the pocket too, really. Uh, you see him taking care of the ball again. You see guys like Jalen Wright finding ways to get into that open space and get going when early in the season, you know, wasn't always, wasn't always there. And, and that's credit to Cooper Mays coming back in the O-line and all that stuff. And, and then you see defensively, Look at, like, even last week, Aaron Beasley. Kind of a low-key thing, Ben, but I asked him about it after the game. I didn't think he played that great for his standard at Kentucky. Tennessee won the game, but he wasn't very good. And he came out after this game and was honest and said, yeah, I didn't play very well last week. And he, he was one of the three guys who scored a defensive touchdown for Tennessee in this game, which they believe is a program record now. So you're seeing lots of guys do things that they weren't doing early in the season. And you got to think, well, they're being coached to do that. They're 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 listening to coaching, and it's and it's helping them. Absolutely, I I don't disagree anything with anything that you just said. I would change the verbiage a little bit for me, and say that I think I don't think that this is a great football team. Just watching them, but I also think it's fair to say the book isn't completely out yet. the 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 story isn't completely written. Like there is a scenario in which they beat Missouri and beat Georgia and are playing in Atlanta. And if that happens, like, I think it's fair to call this a, a great football team. If, if you're, what, 10-2 and two at that point with a win over I'll buy that. Georgia at home, playing for an SEC championship. And, we're, you know, t georgia Mizzou's being played as we're yes. recording this. So we, we're, we're not going to know. You're going to know by the time you hear it probably, but <laughs> yes. we don't know as we're saying this. Right. And uh, Tennessee really needs Missouri to win in, in order to keep its hopes of winning the East alive. If not, Tennessee is going to need – uh, Ole Miss to to win 
I don't know if that game's in Oxford or Athens, but Ole Miss and Georgia play next weekend. Tennessee would need Ole Miss to win if Missouri can't. But uh, Tennessee, if, if they can win out and, and Georgia lose one of its next two, then you're going to Atlanta at 10-2 and two with a chance to play for an SEC championship. And Tennessee hasn't done that in almost two decades now. So yep. th- there's obviously – and th- this is nitpicking, and I, I can be notorious That's what for. it's for. That's what it's for. That's what the podcast is for. Well, e- even, even nitpicking, probably not the right word. Splitting hairs. Like, I'm notorious for, like, putting ranking things in the tiers. And, like, there's tiers of greatness. But I do think if you're 10-2 and two and playing for an SEC championship, there, there is a, a certain level of greatness that, that comes within that. So I do think the book is, is still open to that. Again, I, I, would, I, I don't think sitting here right now that they are a great football team. But, hey, this football team continues to get better. Uh, Joe Milton, is, is since that Texas A&M game, since the, the, the kickoff of Alabama, he is playing really, really efficient football. I, I don't know that he's playing like a Heisman Trophy winner like Hendon Hooker and, and he's just putting the team on his back. Uh, but he is being really efficient. He's being really sound in what they want him to do. And he is starting to make more plays. The the offense is starting to have more success because of Joe Milton instead of in spite of Joe Milton. Uh, and I also I really think honest, honestly this might be the the thing that stood out to me the most in in Josh Heupel's post game press conference. Josh Heupel made the comment. Uh, I don't know if it was in response to me because I asked him what is allowing Joe to be so efficiently, but he I believe he ended that particular question that I asked him with, and the receipt or guys around Joe have started to step up, particularly out on the perimeter, and that is absolutely the case. You are seeing Tennessee's receivers start to adjust to life without Brew McCoy and also individually play better. And uh, we, we did talk about this early in the season, Wes, uh, when Tennessee was frustrating and, and struggling. Josh Heupel teams get better over the course of the season, and you're starting to really see that, I think. Yeah, and, and you're seeing that in spite of things that, you know, it, it, it's hard to talk about, you know, lists that you make and things like this. But during going into seasons, I know – Patrick writes this piece for us, and we've done other things before. Lots of other sites do, too, where you talk about, like, ranking a team's most important players, like a, 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 some guys that, that, that Tennessee just cannot afford to lose. I would argue that Tennessee has lost two, if not three, of the top six or seven names on that list this season. Uh, Kenny Peely, we'll see if he's ever able to come back and do some stuff this season. Absolutely massive loss for Tennessee in what they were asking him to do in this defense and what his role was going to be. And then obviously Kamal Haddon and Brew McCoy. So they've had a couple things thrown in their path a little bit. Some of the stuff they've done themselves, but some of the stuff has just sort of been bad luck and happened to them. And when you go into a season and your program is starting to think about expecting to compete for championships again, like on a routine basis, and then you go and you lose a couple road games, you always wonder, well, what's the buy-in now? You know, because you've talked about this a lot, Ben, this championship or bust mentality that I agree with you on that. I wouldn't go as far as maybe Dabo Swinney and, and some other guys are doing right now. But because sometimes you just have to say something was a disappointment because it was a disappointment. doesn't mean that you're, it's the worst thing ever, but it's a disappointment. Tennessee was on its way toward a disappointing season, and it still might end up there. But it has a possibility now to be still a very good season. And I think that's a credit to sort of the vibes and mentality of this team uh, led by this coaching staff. And they've replaced some guys that were really hard to replace. 
you know, McCoy, Haddon, Peely, they've had to have had guys step in and do things. But Cooper Mays for the first month of the season, another guy who was absolutely near the top of that list. It's football. These things happen. But the way they've been able to overcome some of this stuff and just kind of keep going about their business, I think that says good things about this program now. I think it says really good things about this program moving forward. I think you're starting to see, even if they're not great this season, they can keep the ship right here on the track. They can keep this train right here on the track. They can keep progressing forward or at least staying where they are and not going backward. And I think that is enable the ability. That's what good programs do. They sustain. And I think that's something that's been big for Tennessee to prove. And I think they're on their way to proving it. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I, I think that at minimum, Josh Heupel's program has proven that they are going to be relevant in some capacity where there will be years like last year in, in which they are no doubt an obvious national championship title contender, playoff contender. Uh, and that becomes easier with the college football playoff expansion coming up to, to 12 teams. Um, but there's there's also going to be years in which they win nine or ten games. And it may be frustrating. It may be disappointing at times. But, hey, nine and ten games, like that, that's still an accomplishment. And I, I think Tennessee fans, of all people, would appreciate that and not just scoff at it given how the last 15 years or so had gone prior to Hypel. So uh, there, there's absolutely something to that, Wes, uh, that there are also obvious areas in, in which they need to continue to improve if they want to get over the hump of, of simply being a relevant football program and winning something of significance like a championship. There, there are still areas that, that, that they need to grow and, and improve upon. But uh, Josh Heupel, the, the thing that he does best, and it's not even calling plays or putting the offense into what it needs to, to be, it's – it's how he builds his culture, both within the locker room amongst the players and the coaching staff as well. The, the culture within the coaching staff and the culture within the players is exceptional, and you combine the two, and it's a recipe for success. He, he is all the foundation and building blocks that you have to have within a successful program or organization. Josh Heupel hits all of those nail on the head. I mean, he just absolutely – is terrific at, at establishing all of that and, and it being where it needs to be. So that that will always give them a chance to win, uh, and, and they're going to be good. I, I think they're continuing to to show that last year was not a a fluke. Last year was not a one off. This football team is is going to continue to improve and, and get better and have success and, and play big football games. And I think one of the reasons for that, Wes, is because today. You just see all of the explosive plays. This football program has a ton of playmakers in it. You saw it on offense today. You saw it on defense. And they're only going to continue to have more and more playmakers. Like There's not going to be a significant drop-off from one year to the next in talent. Uh, they are recruiting at a high enough level to where they're, they're going to kind of be able to fill in those holes rather quickly and, and, and not miss a beat, even if there is some frustration uh, along the way. Yeah, and I think something that, that helped – Tennessee today in this game and, and again we, we are up in the press box so we are not down on the field during the game we go down you know some some go down for the final five minutes some go just go down you know and talk to Hypel downstairs and players afterward but so we're not down on the field and we don't get a chance to see exactly what some build-ups are to things but I think it sort of helped 
Tennessee and very much hurt UConn today, that there was a little bit of tension between these teams before kickoff. I don't know what it was. It was just dumb pregame stuff or whatever, somebody going across the 50-yard line to do something and blah, 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 and guys start chirping. And th this felt to me like one of those games, not not exactly like Akron last season because that team was just kind of knee-hunting and head-hunting throughout the game, but it was a, one where there was a lot of chirping, a lot of little scuffles, a lot of – that's not what UConn needed in this game. UConn needed Tennessee to be a little bit sleepy. And Tennessee was not sleepy. I think there was the first drive on defense or second drive on defense. There was a little bit of, eh, I mean, some penalties, some dumb stuff there. Eh, you know, it happens. After that, not as much of that. But they, they, there was a general sort of edge to this game that I think was really not good for UConn. You saw it maybe at the end, whatever that was, if anything, between Heupel and Morrow. Heupel said it wasn't anything. We'll see. But – I just Hypo think that, Hypo I think also always takes the, the high road there. Yes, publicly he does, yes. He, he always takes the, the high road, which I, I appreciate. But, yeah, th this was a, a really, really chippy game for a, a homecoming, non-conference opponent, one in seven football team, UConn, known as a basketball school, the, the defending college basketball national champions. Uh, it, it had an odd edge and, and chippiness to it. And I think it did start with whatever happened – uh, pre-game. I know there's a video going around social media. To be quite honest, I have not seen it yet um, because I've been working on other stuff and do not scroll the, the timeline during the game, uh, but was obviously <laughs> informed about it. it. It was talked about in the press box. Uh, it, it seems like the, the chippiness kind of started with whatever that was. Um, UConn being on Tennessee's side of the field when, when Tennessee arrived and uh, I believe Josh Heupel was even kind of in, in the middle of it, not not necessarily acting a fool or anything along those lines, but Josh always throws the football with his son and, and, yeah. and maybe asking the UConn players to, to move. And, and that just carried over into the game. Uh, it, it was very, very chippy throughout throughout the, the 60 minutes. Uh, Bryson Eason was constantly in the face uh, with, with a UConn offensive lineman. Uh, I don't know for sure, but it, I'm sure it was the, the same offensive lineman that he was kind of matched up with throughout uh they, probably a good guess there. yes and uh th th there were just several instances in that case where it, it never bled over until where like punches were thrown or, or penalties were were thrown but you it was noticeable it was absolutely noticeable it wasn't your typical <laughs> trash talking over the course of a football game it, it bled over post play uh as well and it bled over to, to post game i mean i was down on the field I, I always get a, a video of kind of Tennessee walking around the field after a win or a loss and, and post on the side, and, and that is already posted up, and you can go check it out. And uh, there, there were a couple of brouhaha's that, that needed to be separated. No punches were thrown or, or anything along those lines, but uh, there were several coaches and, and support staff trying to separate, and it was mostly the, the trenches. Tennessee's defensive line and, and UConn's offensive line. It was it was mostly that. Javante Spragans. A lot of, lot of, lot of upperclassmen uh, on those groups. Yeah, Spragans was in the mix. John Campbell was in the mix. And, and it was just a whole bunch of yelling back and forth, but having to be held back from, from one another. Uh, and, and UConn's players practically had to be – a couple of them had to be dragged off the football field. So it, it definitely had an awkward chippiness uh, to this football game that you didn't necessarily expect given the opponent. It, it was something that you would expect between Alabama or Florida, Georgia, yeah. Kentucky. It, it was very similar to last week with, with Kentucky standing in front of Tennessee trying to run out of the, the, the tunnel. Um, 
but I, I thought it was interesting. I asked Tyler Barron about it, and, and he said, uh, "We we don't go searching for it, but if 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 other teams want to kind of act that way, then then they're not going to duck the smoke either." So uh, Tennessee isn't af- afraid to to mix it up with with anybody, and and I think Tennessee plays well off of that edge. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that you don't want it to be like your identity as a football program, but it's something that you kind of like being a presence in your football program. Uh, and, and There's it, a line, there, and, and yes. Tennessee toes that line perfectly. Yes, it does. With very few exceptions, it, it toes that line really, really well. And I just I don't think that benefited UConn. Now, hey, credit to those kids got a lot of piss and vinegar in for a one and seven football team. I mean, they're 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 not. You know they're out there trying to compete. They're out there, you know, running their mouths. They're out there with some trying to. It felt like last happen. year's Akron game. Except for Akron, I thought was being. Akron, they were a little more dirty. Yeah, this Ak- was more trash talking. Yeah, Akron had some shots at the knees and yes. ankles and, and and stuff that was not not what you would call kosher. But 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 there's uh, and you never want to see that stuff. But I just thought the intensity helped Tennessee quite a bit in this game because if you're like okay. Let's see what kind of what kind of mood are they in today? What kind of they ready? You know, kind of strolling into the stadium today, or are they kind of here to to handle their business? And they were here here to to handle their business, and and, and they did that. And a lot of things happened in this game that I think are interesting. We're definitely going to talk about Nico Iamaliava. We're definitely going to talk about the three defensive touchdowns. We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff. But before we talk about a lot of that stuff, let's use this opportunity to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, etc., and then be right back here on the. Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee, the 17th ranked Vols, have defeated the UConn Huskies 59-3 in a homecoming game where Tennessee was expected to take care of business, and it did. Uh, hand in the air, I, I had Tennessee not covering in this game. I thought it was going to go right up to the line, win by about 30 but uh, I did not like the 34 points or whatever that the, the spread was in this game. And you know, Tennessee had played the starters. You, it could have been 74. I mean, my goodness, it, it could have gotten really, really nuts. But when, when it's 49 to nothing in the third quarter and your offense hasn't touched the ball yet in the third quarter, you can't really complain about too much. Uh, Tennessee did take care of business, and we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff. Before we do that, though, just a quick request from our end. If you could take just about a minute out of your day right now, go and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We would appreciate that a good bit. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, there is nothing wrong with that. There is no wrong way to consume this podcast. We still love you. But it helps us out a lot more if you go in there, rate, review, subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this podcast. Do it for free. Happy to do it. Since we do it for free, though, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people that you see around town. It's homecoming weekend, right? A lot of y'all are probably in Knoxville this weekend coming in for homecoming stuff. 
you know, you're going to see some people that you haven't seen in a while, so some good friends, some classmates, you know, in-laws, whatever it is. Tell them about this podcast. Please do that. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. But I don't care who you're playing in a football game. You score three defensive touchdowns. You have had a good day at the office. And so far as we know, and so far as Tennessee knows, at least as the time we're recording this, that's the first time in program history that's ever happened. I think they only have specific paperwork going back to like the 40s but more or less they don't there weren't a lot of games back then that had a lot of defensive touchdowns uh so not three in a game certainly so very well this likely that this could have been the first time that's ever happened in Tennessee history and anytime you play for this program and you do something individually or as a team that's never been done in a program like this that's a cool thing it absolutely is it's really special especially when you consider that I believe it was the, the very first timeout of the game or, or the very first people they honored today was the Grand Marshal, uh, I guess for the homecoming parade, mm-hmm. was Al Wilson. And, and who was standing next to Al Wilson? I know Jamal Lewis played on the offensive side, but Jamal Lewis and, and then Fred White, uh, one of the most underrated players on that 98 championship mm-hmm. team that, that does not get the credit that, that he deserves. A dog, a dog. Ab- absolutely. And I've gotten to know Fred on a personal level, and, and he is – tremendous human being but uh to those guys set the standard you you heard it i guess it was after a and m when eric berry was here and, and they honored eric berry and, and that was the game where tennessee's defense kind of picked up things for the offense and uh, what josh heupel say after the game that that is their standard because of the guys that came before them like eric berry and, and al wilson and, and reggie white the the i mean just several great defensive players that have played football uh, at the at the University of Tennessee. I mean, there, there's a long lineage of great defensive football that, that I think's kind of been forgotten about over, over the last several years. But there, there is a, a ton of, of great defensive players that, that have played for the University of Tennessee. And, and so I, I think that even adds to how special of a defensive performance uh, today was and, and always really cool to do it in, in front of a guy like Al Wilson uh, who – just epitomizes defense and and leadership and and things of that nature. And and Tennessee showed that uh, today. It was Tennessee's two leaders on defense that kind of set the tone Mm -hmm. for the second half. Uh, Say what you will about Jalen McCullough. His teammates love him. Everybody stops and listens when Jalen McCullough speaks. Uh, Aaron Beasley, same way, even though he's a a, a little quieter (laughs) than Tank. Uh, But those two guys set the tone, uh, got pressure on the quarterback on on both plays, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And McCullough and and Beasley made a great read on it. I asked Beasley after the game kind of what he saw and uh, paraphrasing, but he said that he was supposed to be doing one thing, but he could he, he sensed that the quarterback was going to do another, made a great play on the ball, and uh, he, he was off to the races and, and went back to his running back days of, of making sure he found uh, the end zone. So I, I thought it was a terrific defensive performance and, and kind of makes up for – I know the scoreboard makes it look better than what it was, but you did give up 200 yards of offense in the first half. Uh, and, and you had to get somewhat of a goal line stop there on that first possession. Bending, not breaking. Yes. Uh, so it, it wasn't a perfect defensive performance. Uh, I thought they got better uh, as the game progressed, especially with the defensive scores. Uh, but just a, a really physical performance, even if it wasn't always perfect. You had Gabe Judy Lally with a big hit to, to force the fumble. Tyler Barron scoops it and, and scores it. Uh, and then again, 
pressuring the quarterback to, to force those errant throws and McCullough and Beasley taking advantage and, and they were off to the races. So uh, a big defensive performance. They, they're they going to have their hands full the next two weeks. Missouri's offense has some big-time skill position players. Georgia has some big-time skill position players and uh, they're, they're going to have to clean up some things on the back end. Josh Heupel kind of pointed that out in, in his postgame remarks like, hey, we've, we've got some, some things that need to be cleaned up, particularly on the back end. He, he kind of went out of his way to mention that. And they certainly will because there's some big-time receivers that they're going to have to to manage these, these next two football games. And they, they rotated a lot more defensively, too, in this game. You had – especially up front, you know, you didn't see much of Omari Thomas. You know, he, they've done that with him before, right? But when they think they get, get a chance to get the big guy a little bit of rest or something's bothering him a little bit, they find ways to kind of manage him. And, and he didn't do much today. You saw Elijah Simmons play a lot more and actually flashed quite a bit. He made a couple of really he nice plays. He looked really, really good. When he is – when that when that train is running, that, that kid is a player. That, when that's he no is, train. When he, I don't know what it is, but it's no train. A tugboat. I mean, I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, it, I it, think he got going, too, with the trash talking because he was acting a little different than you typically see. Usually he's very mild-mannered, and there are a couple of instances where he, like, made a play. Borderline sweet kid. Borderline sweet kid yes. a lot of the time. And, and I mean, I, I watched him. He made one tackle out on the perimeter, no less, uh, or closer to the sideline than where he typically plays in the interior. He makes the tackle, and he gets up and kind of – wipes his feet off on on the turf after cleaning up the play, I guess. And, and then there was another one uh, on the south side of the stadium where he, he made the play. I think it was a tackle for a loss. And, and he turns – he kind of takes a step towards the hash and pointing towards the UConn bench and, and, like, beats his chest like a gorilla does. And, like, you typically don't see Elijah Simmons doing those type of things. So I, I think – the chippiness that UConn displayed early, I think that got Elijah going. Yeah, and the the play he made on the perimeter did feel like for him it was a play made out in outer space. <laughs> like it was like when you get too far away from 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 the the, sh the shuttle or whatever, and you're like kind of out there, and you're like, what am I doing out here? But hey, he made the play out there. I also thought it was good to see Tyler Barron get a touchdown because he should have had one. That should have been the second of his career, uh, but obviously uh, in this building a couple years ago had one that uh, did not go the way that uh, he wanted it to go. It's not sort of a really unfortunate, just sort of bad whistle and took a touchdown away from him. So he got one today, and that was good to see. McCullough, you referenced that, just how much he means to this team and, and how much it was good to see him have a moment like that. It just was. I mean, you, you say, and I've certainly said at times, I don't know how how have they not gotten someone out there who's more dynamic than him. I've said it many times, many times. I'm not going to deny that. But that doesn't mean that when a kid has a moment like that, you can't like you know say, hey, that's good for that, good for him, good for his team. That that was a nice play, and he had a he had a pick earlier uh, in the game that had been taken away by an offside penalty on on Tyler Barron. So I, it was good to see some of those seniors step up and do that and make some of those big plays. Um, you know, Judy Lally continues to be just a solid player out there at, at corner. Uh, Tamarian McDonald had a really nice play on a fourth down. To, uh, against an athletic quarterback in space. He really shut down that space and, and made a play to, to turn the ball over there. Or UConn could have put more points on the board earlier in that game. So I thought a lot of that was good. We don't have to talk too much more about the defense, though, because I think for the most part we, we've we done that, hit on some of the high points. Yeah, just they played the way that they should have, just kind of sticking with the thing that we talked about earlier. UConn doesn't have a ton of explosiveness, explosiveness if I can speak. But number 17. Uh, that's exactly where I was going. The <laughs> Patrick kept joking uh, throughout the course of the game. Like, that's somebody you want to tamper with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I completely, mm -hmm. completely agree. Just kind of a, a new age tight end, bigger body, athletic, uh, 
where he's kind of that hybrid tight end. 6'3", 235, whatever he is. Yeah, he, yeah. He, and he, he made several nice plays. But other than that, they didn't have a ton of explosiveness. Their, their star running back was banged up coming into the game. Uh, their, their quarterback is athletic, but not necessarily the greatest pocket passer. So uh, maybe some, some plays that you would like to have back there in that first quarter. But w- once they settled in, I, I, I thought uh, Tennessee's defense – played a very physical football game the, the way that they should have it and got several young guys in there as well. David Hobbs played quite a bit and, and made some nice plays. Ricky Gibson, uh, he, he did have the one holding penalty, um, but yeah, his stock talented. is up. You, you can see why they really, really liked Ricky Gibson and why they had to fight tooth and nail to, to win his commitment over Georgia. And picking up a commitment from a corner over Georgia, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, and I thought it, it was – to me, it, it was good to see them taking care of the business in the way that they should have on that side of the ball. There was nothing, you know, nothing crazy about it. They just kind of showed up, did their job, and moved right along. And and that's what you need to do in a situation like this. I, I thought there were some good plays from some guys that we're going to see a little bit more of in the future. My joke with the with the UConn tight end was that. Tennessee started throwing a whole lot more to Castles later in the game to say, hey, hey, listen, this guy's going to go to the NFL, and he's leaving. You want to you just come in here and do what he does? Look, you see how Nico likes throwing that ball to that tight end twice in a row there to get the ball in the end zone on a play that, honestly, why would you I, – I loved that play call to get uh, Ian Maliava his first career touchdown, except for the fact that I would really love to see that play run <laughs> like in the next two weeks. Yeah. That was a really, really nice looking I, design. That, there. That's I think that's one that's probably out there though. They, yeah. they, they ran similar. Version. I'm obviously no football coach, <laughs> but it, it they ran that a lot last year. That that little pop sneak the tight end. Maybe just look different the with with sort of the quickness. Yeah, the twitch so. that, that Iamalia has like because Joe is a fast guy, but it takes him a while to get going. Whereas Iamaliava just you know I mean he's he's. A jitterbug a little bit for a six six guy. He's got some jitterbug kind of quality, so maybe it looked different. He's got some Hendon and Dobbs tendencies in that. I'm not saying that he's going to be Hendon or or, or Dobbs. Uh, he might be them. He, he might you'd be like, He might be worse. Given his high school ranking and what it took to get him to Tennessee, you hope that he ends up being better than Hendon and Dobbs. But I I, I was kind of surprised by his hat his athleticism running around. It very much had Dobbs and Hendon running type of, of tendencies to it. Yeah, and I thought I'm just being just being candid here. I would have liked to see him more in this football game. I like Gaston more. I think it's a good story. I think he's a guy who, hey, he, he led the offense on, the, on a scoring drive. He did, he did a couple of nice things. He threw a couple of nice balls. But my opinion – well, it's not really an opinion – I have an opinion that's based around a fact. The fact is that Iamaliava is one snap away from being your starting quarterback most likely. So I think he hasn't gotten to play a lot this year, and you understand why. But this was a moment to really let him get a lot of playing time. And I know Gaston Moore has been with this. You know, he was with Heupel. At, you know, he transferred from, from USF up, up, up here. And everybody likes him. He's a good player. But – Yamaliava is your future at quarterback. And I think the fans here, I think a lot of people stayed longer in this blowout than they normally would have. And I, I can't speak for them, but I get the sense that watching Yamaliava was the reason they wanted to stay. And you hate to see the, the clear disappointment that some had 
saying, you know, we came here, we paid this money, we want to see this kid, why are you doing that? So Heupel's got to run his program, he's got to do what he wants to do, and he said after the game that a lot of those guys are guys who put in the same work every day as everybody else, and he wants to give them opportunities in games when he can. And I think that's great, but I just, at least one more series out of Nico, I think would have been nice to see. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I'm not going overboard on it, just to be clear. Now you're not. Maybe when it happened. No, I'm kidding. No, at the time I said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I, th- I think we all did. I-, I had that initial reaction as well, but just the-, the further removed we are from putting Gaston in, like you, you can see both sides. Uh, if-, if you don't pull Nico after two possessions, then Navy Schuler doesn't get to have a really, really cool moment uh, at the end of the game. Uh, didn't punch it in, but Navy and essentially a- an offense full of walk-ons march right down the field and – um, they would have scored if Josh Heupel was like, no, we're 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 gonna we're not, we're not gonna rub it in. We're not gonna run up the scoreboard. They they easily could have punched it in though, and and he and his teammates don't get that moment. And I think that's what Josh Heupel sure. was referring to. Like, we wanted to get everybody in. Um, so there's that, and, and I also do think there's something to Nico looked really good on those two possessions. Mm-hmm. Like, and yes, you're right. He needs more reps. Little things like that sailed ball over D. Williams. There's a couple little moments. People talked about communication. Yeah, like there, there's no doubt about it. Like you take reps as as many as you can get, but within the limited amount of reps, he did look good. So like I can I can absolutely understand the process of hey this guy looks good, and although he is one snap of, away, he's also one snap away in this football game against UConn of him getting hurt and not being able to play the rest of the season or be available against Missouri or Georgia. And then Gaston Moore is your backup quarterback. So I, I see both sides of it. I, I think a third possession probably would have would have been nice, but I, I just don't think it's I, – my initial reaction, again, I, I was kind of like, what in the world are you doing? I, I don't understand this. Allow him to at least get one more possession. It, it felt very quick. But the further I, I get removed from it, I, I think it was probably the right decision. You, you don't want to risk Nico getting hurt, especially after he looked really good on those two possessions. And uh, he is one play away from being the guy. And, and you want to be able to turn the football over to Nico if, if something does happen to Joe. And then, like, the cherry on top is being able to get Navy Shuler and, and all those other guys reps at, at the very tail in yeah covering Tennessee for a while I've seen Tennessee have to go down to like third and fourth string quarterbacks before so I know that is possible but my reaction to that would be if you're down to your third string quarterback you know you're up crap creek with a turd for a paddle at that point anyway like you're not you know what I mean like you're not you're 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 screwed if you get to that point anyway probably most teams so I I don't I, I don't know that I would to me, I would, I would at least, and this is just me, I would lean more toward having him have more reps because you'd like to have them going forward. Because you know, there's going to be, a, there's been a lot of uh, NIL money invested in this player. There's been a lot of uh, time from the coaching staff, a lot of effort invested in this player, and you, you want to protect that investment. But you, you got to sometimes take that car out of the garage and let it take it for a spin for a little bit. And I think this was an opportunity to do that. Again, not the end of the world. I'm not going to beat it over the head. I just, you know, I could sense the disappointment from a lot of fans on that, and I totally get it. But I think it was, you know, it wasn't just there on offense. There was also on special teams. We saw Josh Turbyville, 
who's done mostly a fantastic job on kickoffs this season. He got to come in and kick a field goal for the first time in his career. And hey, with Charles Campbell leaving, maybe that ends up being your kicker going forward. I mean, he's he's got an absolute cannon of a leg. And, And so you got to see some different things today and I didn't see any major injuries really pop up during the game other than that nasty rash of PAT uh, lineman injuries that they've got. It's just tragic. It's just tragic what happens to those offensive linemen wink, on those wink, PATs. Wink, 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 nod, nod, how you doing? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was it was, it was was tough because normally it's Jackson Lampley, but you also had Masai Reddick and, and you know, you, you had um, – Somebody else also went down in that situation today. Three different guys on, on PAT. That's 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 tough to see. You hate to see that. Uh, maybe they need to work on their technique protecting. In yeah, Masai Reddick uh, looked really good blocking on, on that final possession after his earlier injury. I, I thought, you know what, he, he looked like a seasoned pro out there doing that. Both. Yeah, every, every, everybody's wondering where the development of the off- the young offensive linemen are and I, I think we're seeing some development I by think young they have offensive tryouts linemen. For that. I think they have tryouts the for that role. Point. That that's my thought. I think they have tryouts for that role. But but I do think uh, we're laughing at the end of this one because this game at the end of the day was a laugher. Tennessee pulls away fifty nine to three. It's obviously going to be a busy week coming up. It's a busy week on multiple fronts, Ben. It's a busy week, Tennessee football playing. No matter what happens here with Georgia-Mizzou, huge game next week for Tennessee football. Uh, Tennessee basketball opens the season Monday night and then goes to Wisconsin, what seems like maybe an angry Madison-Wisconsin at the moment after that game against Indiana in football today. And Tennessee plays a basketball game up there in a fantastic arena with fantastic fans. Really nice early challenge for Tennessee. And, and there's, you know, baseball is wrapping up uh, with the, the Fall World Series coming up. There's so many things going on. And we're going to be all over the country next week, but we're going to get this stuff to you. And, man, if you like ball, Ben, it's a really good time of year. Absolutely. It, it is. Gosh, I, I hate that you just painted that picture because I, I knew what was coming <laughs> this upcoming week. But but when you lay it all out, it, it's, it's going to be a fun one. I'm going over to Nashville tomorrow to watch Tennessee baseball scrimmage Samford for 18 innings. And you're losing an hour of sleep, too, just throwing that out there for I'm, you. You're about to get punched. <laughs> you, you saw that A&M player earlier. You're about to experience – I slept one hour last night because my son didn't want to sleep because he didn't feel very well. So I I, I, I get that one freebie to make that comment. That, well, that, that wasn't just the, the first – that's not the first comment of the day. So you're about to end up like the, the old Miss player did from Shamar Turner of A&M. Uh, with the punch, so you keep up with comments and spitting out these facts of of this upcoming week, and and you're going to get a Shamar Turner uh, coming at you. But yeah, no, it's a it's a fun time of year. It's certainly busy uh, fall exhibition t- tomorrow, and uh, unfortunately, we will not be in town to cover the fall World Series for for baseball, but uh, plenty of basketball coverage upcoming this week, and and certainly a, a ton of of football coverage. Uh, first and, and foremost this week uh, because Tennessee is is playing for a trip to Atlanta. No matter what happens in Missouri, Georgia, e- even if Georgia pulls a win out over Missouri, uh, if Ole Miss beats Georgia next weekend and Tennessee beats Missouri, Tennessee and Georgia will convene two weeks from today inside the Neyland Stadium for a trip to go to Atlanta. There's a lot of stuff on the line. It's a fun time of year. There's a lot of fun stuff to do, and uh, I love our jobs, man. I'm tired right now. You look tired right now, especially for a young guy. But, uh, God, what a, what a great thing. If you're going to make yourself tired, what a great way to do it. Like, do this, we're the luckiest people in the world, Ben. We really are. Thank you for being here right now in this moment, and uh, we will see you, I guess, uh, Monday.
Absolutely. We will have our uh, Monday podcast for, for football on Monday afternoon. And then uh, with, with basketball starting, we'll be back with a basketball pod on Tuesday morning. So plenty of coverage all at Go Vols 24-7. Come in the good people's way. Thank you to them for listening and allowing us to do what we love. That is a great way to end it. We'll end it right there. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.